How do you run an effective business? Could it use a little help? That's where this program comes in. Welcome to Let's Talk Business According to Phaedra. Your host is Phaedra's daughter, Precious Hanks Carter. Some organizations are running their business without the correct guidelines in place. They don't know, nor have they taken the time to get to know the correct way of running a business. Let Phaedra's wisdom help you right now. Thank you for tuning in to Let's Talk Business According to Phaedra. I'm your host, Precious Hanks Carter, and today we are going to talk about a wide variety of topics. The title of today's episode is Philanthropy, Partnerships, Mergers, Oh My. And so it's a lot, but uh, I'm very excited about the first portion dealing with philanthropy and charity. It's a topic and subject that's very near and dear to my heart. I was just discussing with one of my cousins this morning. We normally have our morning chats every other day and just motivational. And we were discussing about retiring. And most of you may have seen my picture and thought she's really thinking about retirement now. And it's not necessarily thinking about retirement as I was talking to my cousin this morning, it was more so of freeing up my time to help the world. And so it was only befitting. It probably was because I had this particular subject on my mind that we were discussing it. But I think that as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you should always consider philanthropy and charity. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and get into the first portion that I want to discuss with you about is your strategic philanthropy plan. And you're thinking, oh, Lord, she has another plan for us. Yes, I do think that if you're looking at starting your business or if you are already a business owner, please add this to your agenda. It's important and it is something that I think that more businesses, more corporations should pay attention to. And with your strategic philanthropy, it refers both to the working philosophy and the program strategies of a foundation. It originates from the entrepreneurial's view of foundation activities, which focuses around strategy, key competencies, and striving for effective contributions to social change. I think that we have these conversations often about social change, but I think that The conversations are great, but it needs to start with us. The strategic philanthropy plan should involve drives such as a vision of the desirable society of the future, a distinct value orientation in the activities that you wish to pursue, a concept of social change to the effect of greater social justice rather than the mere grant making to address the social problem. The conviction that foundations serve as laboratories to develop model solutions, new ways of thinking, and new understanding for resolving problems within society. Also, the awareness that innovative models and approaches should include both blueprints and a focus on practical implementation, and applicability. 
a concern for the effectiveness of your endeavors that you wish to take, a proactive approach, whether it's your own activities or partnering or even grant making, an awareness for capacity building and organizational learning amongst others, a public policy orientation driven by the potential of taking projects and the insight that philanthropy provides for investment in the production of a better society. And so I want to go ahead and get into ways that you can implement your strategic philanthropy plan into your business strategy and make it a part of your corporate culture. I want to share, though, that there was a recent study done that millennials have driven the social responsibility movement. And I think it's great. It says that 70% of them report that they'll spend more with brands that support a cause. And that's important. I know for me, I love brands. I love supporting a brand that is supporting a cause. I love to know that if I buy a pair of shoes, that company is donating a pair of shoes. Or another one that I really love, a company that I support, a shoe brand company, their shoes are made out of recycled material. And you would never know. I think that is great. And so I feel a sense of pride that my money is going to good use. I'm getting a product, but I know that I'm supporting a company that is just as passionate about changing the world and making the world a better place as me. Numerous enterprise businesses have come up with some pretty creative ways of doing social good. And as I stated, such as buy a pair of shoes, give a pair of shoes, I also know a few companies that they take a portion of their proceeds and they help initiate and implement job programs that help people go through the hiring process and, and things like that. And so that's what you have to do. You have to think, I always tell entrepreneurs and new business owners, Think like a consumer, because at some point in time, we're all consumers. We all make purchases. We all buy products. And so think, even if that's not like I'm not in product market, I'm in the services market. Our business is more services, but I still put on my consumer hat when I'm dealing with clients. And I think that as a business owner, an entrepreneur, somebody looking to grow your business, that is the best way to do. I always tell everyone to do their market research and go out there and, and create focus groups. But sometimes you can step into that role as a consumer as well. I know a lot of people like to play it safe and just say well, they're going to donate to a nonprofit that matters to them. And that is great. Uh, but I also think that you have to Get the workforce involved as well. I think that, not, I don't think I know, and I believe that employee morale increases when you create a workplace initiative 
that helps a charity, as well as it helps the employees feel like they're taking an active interest in helping their community as well. I'll talk about an initiative real quick that we do around the holidays, and I'll probably go back into it when I get deeper in, but I'm looking at my notes and it says to talk about it. And so, um, but for us as a company, we always donate to a local charity around the holiday time, but it's not enough just to write a check. We want our employees to get involved. And so there's a few times, I know one time we did a canned good drive and how we got employees involved, which at the end of the day, I think even if we didn't raffle off a free vacation, the employees would have been all in anyways. But what we did was, hey, for every canned good you bring in, you get a raffle ticket. And I think that's great because a lot of times when corporations are doing holiday parties or get togethers, you have some kind of incentive where you you have door prizes. Why not have it that that's your moment to get the employees involved, rally the troops, and pretty much kill two birds with one stone. You're having a good time, you're doing your company giveaways, but also in the same token, you're taking up donations for a local charity. So in addition to us writing a check to a local charity, we ended up doing canned goods that year. Uh, another year, we did a toy drive. And it just, it's, it's great when you're collecting that from the employees. It's awesome when you draw a raffle ticket and the employee wins the vacation or whatever door prize, but it's even more gratifying when you have management take all of those toys or all those canned goods and that check to that local charity and they're elated and they're smiling and they're happy because you partnered with them and you're helping out a lot of families. And so that's where employee morale comes in because they feel like they're taking an active interest in their own communities. And that's a huge boost. And it doesn't even have to be around the holiday time. I just used ours as an example, but that's helping create your workplace culture. And it gets everyone excited for, well, what charity are we going to donate to the the following year? We always try to choose different charities because we want to share the wealth within the community. And so it also gives the employees an opportunity when they're out and about doing their, their errands, or if they come across somebody that they know that has a charity that's in need, it, it gives them an opportunity to say, hey, my company every year, we always do this, that, and a third. And then it, it just, it creates that wonderful workplace culture and it gives your employee a sense of pride in belonging. I've also, in my studies, learned that businesses that take on a philanthropic role and are constantly giving to charity are some of the most powerful ones in the world. And you just have to go and look at the Fortune 500 companies and see what programs they have implemented. 
I know a charity that I work for, an organization, women's organization that I used to sit on the board for, and, and we still support as a company and I still support individually. They had uh, employees from a Fortune 500 company come out and donate their time to help us with our backpack scavenger hunt. The organization that I'm involved in does a backpack scavenger hunt. And it's not just about, it's not just about giving these kids backpacks. It's about giving them a sense of earning their stuff, thinking beyond and just receiving it. And so there's a lot of time and effort that goes into preparing this, these backpack scavenger hunts. And so Apple donated their employees to give time. And, and so you just have to see in our area, they did, you just have to go and look and see what organizations are doing and whether you want to include that, whether you want to do a day, take a day where you give back to the community and you encourage your employees, Hey, today we're going to take the day off from work or we're going to take a half a day. We're going to do four hours the first Wednesday in September and we're going to go to charity and we're just going to donate our time. And that's where it goes back to my initial story at the beginning where I said, Hey, I, I, I want to get to a point where my time is freed up to do what I enjoy doing. And it's not just going shopping or traveling or, or sitting around binge watching Netflix. No, I want to free up some of my time so that I can go out and make a difference so that I can volunteer at charities or start a charity of my own. And so I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. So if you as a business owner can take four hours one day out of the year to allow your employees to go to a local charity and give back their time, I guarantee you uh, that's going to be one of the best work days around your, your business that you're going to see. And so that, uh, that's just an idea to start out with. Uh, charitable sponsorships are great. Uh, I, I want you to think back to, I think that's one of the originals. Think back to when we were in high school. I think that's one of the first ways that businesses got involved. Think back to when you were in high school, think back to your, your high school gymnasium and look at all of the banners and, and corporate advertisements that were in the gymnasium. That's a corporate sponsorship um, that those local businesses said, hey, we're going to give back to this school. And in return, we just want to advertise our business in the gymnasium or on, at the football field. And so if, if, you're, if you can't do anything above that, hey, that's still impacting your community. Giving a charitable donation to the school or giving a charitable donation to the local rec center is helping the next generation. It's helping secure the future. It's, it's going to help with equipment and things like that. And, and while that doesn't necessarily benefit your business, it does because it's 
not free advertisement, but it's advertisement with a purpose. Donations, at the end of the day, put your company's name out there. People are going to remember that. So if you if if charitable donations to a school or the community center is not your cup of tea, then sponsor some kind of event, whether it's a golf tournament, whether it's a basketball tournament, whether it's a 5K. I love 5Ks. I, don't, I, I think that you can never have too many 5Ks. I'm actually a runner. I actually had to put a pause on it for about 18 months. But there was a point in time where I was signing up for a 5K every other month. And there's so many out there. And the most important thing is the 5Ks with a cause. I love those. And so whatever event that you decide to sponsor, make sure that the event or the charity mirrors your own company's goals. Make sure it's something that that you're passionate about. Make sure it's something that you can get on board with. Another benefit outside of putting your company's name out there and feeling good about yourself is the tax deduction. I think we all know that that is the most immediate benefit of your corporate donation. You may not instantly see how your contribution benefits the community, but you'll quickly notice it on your tax savings. Now, I encourage you not to just do it for the financial gain, but do understand that there are some fiscal rewards for helping a charity. At the end of the day, I don't want any entrepreneur or business owner to think of, man, this is money coming out of the business. There's more pros to your charitable donations than there are cons, is what I'm trying to say. And then at the end of the day, outside of it increasing your marketing, outside of it just being a tax deduction, it's good for your community. It's good. And that's my main focus in regards to talking about philanthropy work and and charitable contributions in the workplace is that you should give back to your community because you should want to build a sense of community. Remember, I spoke about this many episodes ago when we were talking about establishing and identifying your location for your business. Remember I said, you want to be in a good place and you want to cultivate relationships with your, your business neighbors to create a good community. And that's the same token that you should want to take. That approach you should want to take is that you want to give back to your community because that's another way to develop your community, influence your community, and make sure that your community is growing in a positive direction. At the end of the day, if you're giving charitable donations, that could help improve your schools, your parks. It's giving the future, the children, safe places to learn and play. And it's giving them also something to strive for. If they're constantly seeing all these local businesses 
giving back to the community, then guess what? It's going to become second nature to them. They're going to realize, hey, you go out, you find you a good job, you find a job that wants to give back to the community and likes to give back to the community, or hey, I start my own business and I, I grow it with the intent of making sure that I'm contributing to the community. You see, the opportunities are endless and extremely helpful, but more importantly, powerful because you're impacting the community. I also wanted to take the time to say that also too, when you're with the Chamber of Commerce and when, when these cities and local governments are looking at businesses that are coming in, that's another thing that they're looking at. When you grow your business, that's another thing they're looking at. They're not just looking at the jobs that you're creating. They're looking at the impact that you're going to have on the community. So that'll give you a little bit more of a competitive advantage if you say, hey, you know, we have a program implemented into place. Not only are we going to bring X amount of jobs to this community, but we're also going to impact the community because this is how much we give annually to charity. This is what our employees do. These are the resources that we provide to help and assist local charities. Because at the end of the day, charities are a part of the community. So how do you implement your philanthropy strategy into your corporate workplace? Your, your corporate, I'm sorry, your corporate culture, workplace culture, same thing. One way is to engage your employees to participate by aligning the company's donation choices with causes that have the greatest meaning to your workforce. It's, there, it's what I said earlier, doing a suggestion box or reading the lay of the land, seeing what the biggest need is in the community. It may be the local homeless shelter. The good thing is, is that we live in a social society because of social media. I know one of our charities on the side of town that I live on, and one that I, I'm very passionate about and I donate constantly my time and money um, with no hesitation. They, when they're in need, when they're low on their food pantry, they put out a blast on social media and it's something quick and it lets their partners know, hey, we're running low in our food pantry. We can sure use this. And so it's nothing to blast that back out on my personal social media and then also go over there and, and contribute. And so it's also understanding where the greatest need is at and where you're, you're going to be more impactful. But the way to engage employees is by letting them know we're going to turn a little into a lot. That's why I like the food drives. That's why I like the toy drives, because if I only have three canned goods, I'm not feeling like I'm really making an impact. But if I take my three canned goods to the company holiday party and I see that the company's collected 150 canned goods from all of the employees, 
we've turned each of our little into a lot. And so that's one way that you can engage your employees to get on board. I also think too, that when you get involved with charity and you create these charity programs, it can help change your business and work culture. When people are working together for a greater cause, when they feel like they are a part of a team that's making a positive impact, they have no other choice but to be positive themselves. I was telling my daughter the other day that energy is transferable. That's, that's what I believe. Energy is transferable. So if there's positive energy in the room, whoever walks in is going to receive that positive energy. And so I, I believe the same place in the work culture, in the business environment. And so if you have your employees together, coming together, and you're doing good, that's going to trickle down. That positive energy is going to trickle down. If they're working together as a team for Habitat for Humanity, building a home, or the Angel Tree, helping get together the family's wish list for Angel Tree, then that creates skill building. That's what I'm trying to say. That creates skill building. It creates, it helps with your your team environment, and you can carry that over into your work, your work culture. You'd be surprised at the dramatic impact that your vision of saying, hey, the company is going to donate to this charity this year, or the company is going to put on this event this year, and this is how we want our employees to get involved and donate their time, you'd see the dramatic impact. As I stated before, don't just look at the, the one con to the vast pros. So before we go on break, I want you to, I want to leave you with um, a plan to develop your strategic philanthropy plan. I want to give you five little things to shoot for. So think small, investigate organizations in your community where smaller donations and limited resources can have a big impact. As I stated before, a little can become a lot. Support a new profit, a new project or a nonprofit group. Secondly, do what you know. Stick with what you know and stick with what you're passionate about. Number three. Lead by example. Setting up a charitable program demonstrates to your employees that your company doesn't exist solely for the profit. It shows them that you're willing to invest in the community in which you guys live. And that'll motivate them to participate. Four, create a partnership. Partnerships within the community. And five, spread the word. As I stated before, blast it out on social media. Take pictures of your employees 
put it on your Twitter page so that people can see the impact that you're making in the community. And then also you have it documented so that your employees can go back and reflect and feel good about the day that they donated their time or the resources and where everything went to. And so now that I've talked about philanthropy and charitable programs, I'm going to go ahead and break. And when we come back, we will wrap up with partnerships and joint ventures and uh, mergers and acquisitions. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business Channel on Twitter at VoiceAMBusiness. Again, that's at VoiceAMBusiness. And stay current. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Let's Talk Business According to Phaedra. To reach the program today with a comment or question, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email by clicking the email host button on the Voice America show page. Now, back to Let's Talk Business According to Phaedra. Here again is Precious Hanks Carter. Well, welcome back. Before the break, we talked about your strategic philanthropy plan and incorporating charitable programs into your business strategy and corporate workplace. I keep saying that corporate culture or workplace culture. (laughs) And so now I want to just completely switch and talk about expanding your business. And so there's multiple ways to expanding your business. And this is another topic that I'm passionate about. And I know you guys are like, she's just passionate about everything. And that is true. But I guess what I should say is I'm, I'm passionate about knowledge. I'm passionate about people knowing the truth and being realistic about what can go right and what can go wrong and equipping yourself with that knowledge and wisdom so that you can be in a better position to make great business decisions. 
So I want to talk about expanding your business. And so multiple ways to expand your business is by entering into partnerships with another business owner. And so the reason I'm passionate about this is because I don't think that every partnership is a good partnership. And you're probably thinking like, well, duh, precious. But in all seriousness, I just want people to do their research because business is a very serious thing. And I believe it's easy to go in business for yourself, by yourself, but it is extremely difficult to go into business with other people. And I think if you go into, I'm not saying, just because I'm saying it's difficult, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that it's more work to be in business with someone else than it is by yourself. Think back to when you were in high school and college. It's easier to do a project by yourself than it is to do a team project. Raise your hand if you actually like working on a team project where your grade is contingent upon the work that your other teammates do. Not many of us do. And so I want you to take that where as we're just talking about a grade and move it over into the business aspect and think about what I just said and change, change the verbiage. How many of us are excited about the profitability of a company being contingent upon the work that another person would put in? So you see how, how it changes. And so, I, but like I said, how many of us, raise your hand, worked on a team project and while it was difficult, you still got a good grade and it didn't bring your overall grade in that class down because you made it work. You worked through the challenges and, or you alleviated the challenges from the beginning. And so the same concept, I I do want you to take on the same concept. Uh, I just want you to be aware. You, you, we all knew in college going into a team project, A, we dreaded it, but B, we knew, okay, this is what we have to do in order to make this team project work and for us to get a good grade. So I want you to think the same if you're thinking about expanding and the only way to expand is through collaboration with other businesses. So I want to talk about briefly your options. And so I want to talk about a joint venture first. And a joint venture is an agreement by two or more people or companies to accomplish a specific business goal together. A joint venture can be structured as a separate business entity or simply grow out of a contract between the two parties involved. And so I also want you to take that into consideration as I go and I talk about the different options that you have. I want you to consider whether you want it to be long-term or whether you want it to be temporary. And I always suggest temporary because it's easy to get out of. So that's the joint venture. 
And I want to also discuss joint venture al- alternatives. So think back to one of the first episodes that I did where we talked about partnerships. And that could be an option. A general partnership is a specific type of business structure where two or more people govern a company together. A partnership is typically designed to last indefinitely. When you enter into a partnership, corporately, it's normally for the, the, the lifespan of the business. Unless you buy that partner out or that other partner buys you out, you're in it forever. Whereas I stated before, joint ventures are normally temporarily. There are some similarities between joint ventures and partnerships, but there are also quite a few differences that I'll explain as well. The next one I want to talk about is franchising. And we've all heard of franchising. I know my first introductory into franchising was McDonald's. I think that was, as a little kid, I I realized, oh, McDonald's does franchises. So I think we're pretty familiar with franchises, but let me go ahead and give you the definition anyways, so that you understand the options that you have. And in a franchise, the parent company grants grants a license to run a business using the parent company's name, brand, and operating methods. Usually a franchise is a long-term agreement and the franchisee pays an initial fee to the franchisor for the right to operate the business. And so normally for all intents and purposes, I'll say, hey, the, a bit, you can offer people 10,000, if they pay you $10,000, they can use your name, your brand and your operating methods. So that 10,000 would be the initial franchise fee. Additionally, the franchisor exerts a certain degree of control over the franchisee's business decisions. So let's say you want to expand into another city, but you don't want to be responsible for the operations there. You just create a franchise opportunity with another person. They buy in and you say, hey, look, you can use the name, you can use the brand, this is the operating methods, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and then you have annual meetings where you touch up and everything like that. The next one is licensing. Licensing is similar to franchising because the licensor permits the licensee to use the company's name and logo. The licensee manufactures products and pays a royalty fee to the licensor for the rights to use the brand. And so those are the main ones. I'm going to go back to joint venture because in my opinion, a joint venture, and once again, it depends upon the industry that you're in. Sometimes franchising is the best option to go. Uh, Sometimes if it's dealing with a product, licensing agreements are a way to go. And then I know for our business, our line of work, joint ventures are, are the great way to go too. 
And so I want to talk a little bit more about how joint ventures work before I get into the others. And so with joint ventures, it's normally a type of agreement that allows you to come together with one or more other individuals to carry out a specific project within your industry. Uh, it's, it's a business deal. Most of the time, business owners enter into joint ventures to access new markets or to tap into complementary skill sets or combine resources. A lot of times it's, hey, let's combine resources. We are, we are strong in this area and you're strong in that area. And so we can be a powerhouse together. A lot of times, um, I know in the contracting world, joint ventures happen because one company doesn't meet the complete qualifications and another company might have the main qualification, but they don't have the experience and so, or they don't have the connections. And so that's where I mean by combining resources. And so you come together for a specific purpose. Now, what I want you to understand is that joint, and this is why I prefer joint ventures over partnerships, because you still have control over your business and the other person that you're entering into the joint venture still has control over their business. Your businesses are separate entities. You're just coming together for a specific project and it's temporary. And if it's somebody new, you can say, Hey, I'm going to check this. We're going to, we're going to do this for this project. And if it's a great relation, working relationship, then I'll keep you in mind for other projects. And that's what we always say. We say, hey, yeah, this is a wonderful opportunity. Let's drop an agreement for this project. And if it all goes well, let's link up in the future again. But it's great because as I stated before, you're not relinquishing control of your business. You're not responsible for the other person's business. You're just there for, you're just joining forces for a particular project or for an extended period of time. Joint ventures um, are, as I stated before, legally independent and they're mutually beneficial. You're setting out to accomplish a specific goal. And so my advice to people is with anything, anytime you're going to tie your business to another person's business, another partnership. That's why I even stated in the charitable segment, make sure that it aligns with your business goals. Same thing with a joint venture partnership, franchising opportunity, licensee opportunity. Make sure that 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 partnership aligns together. Make sure that your business acumen and your business module is not too far apart. I will share. Uh, we learned from experience. We've had many partnerships with various com companies. And I'll say 90% of them have been good. But there was one where we actually had to end the collaboration earlier 
than the time period that was specified in the contract. The good news is, is that we did have it outlined in the contract that if either party was not happy, that as long as the other party gave the other party 30 days notice, that we could exit out of that contract. And it was actually a five-year partnership that it was supposed to be, but we only lasted, I want to say four months. We were four months into it. We realized this is not going to work. And so we gave our 30-day notice that we did not want to continue on that partnership. And because we had that written in our agreement, it was legally binding. And so that I want to, you know, just giving a little transparency, make sure that you do have a, an opt-out option because things sometimes just don't work out. As I stated before, we've been in partnerships with multiple and this one was years ago. Um, and we learned our lesson. Now we didn't just say, oh, that was a bad experience. We're not going to get into partnerships anymore. No, we just realized partnerships are good and they're beneficial. This one was not. So we know what not to do and we know what to look forward to in the future. And we used it as a learning experience. And I'm going to tell you what went wrong is we did not have the same business acumen. We didn't ask the, the right questions in our, our, our pre-stage meetings because we didn't start finding out about the other company's business model until we were already 45 days into the partnership. And you're thinking, well, hold up, Precious. You stated that you're two separate entities. Yes, you are two separate entities. You're correct. And we have control over our business and the other company has control over their business. And that's why you need to ask those questions about other people's business practices because you can't control what they do within their business. And that was the issue that we were having is that their business practices were creating complaints and it was having a bad reflection on us. And we, we just had to get out of that. We didn't want to be associated with that because it was creating chaos in the workplace. It was not a team environment. It was creating an, an imbalanced work environment. And that's not what we wanted. And so, and it, and it wasn't their fault. I'm not saying that they were doing anything bad. It was just that we realized that our business practices didn't align together and it created imbalance amongst the team because our workers were used to this, their workers were used to that and people were trying to compare the two and it just, it just threw things off. So you need to make sure that, that the other person's business module is similar to yours and that each person knows what they're bringing to the table. And also when you're in joint ventures, it's important that you know that it's a shared responsibility. You need to outline 
who is responsible for what. It should be a two-way street. Both parties should benefit from being in this agreement. It shouldn't just be one party giving and another party taking. It should literally be a give and take relationship. But I think our parents taught us that with any form of relationship, friendship, romantic relationship, all of that, it should always be give and take in life. It should never just be one-sided. Or I know that's how I live my life. And so I want to talk about quickly the benefits of a joint venture, because I believe I've probably scared you out of it. And like I said, that was years ago. My example was a year was years ago. And as I stated, since then, we've entered in several partnerships, um, temporary partnerships with other companies, and they've worked out. Remember, the benefit of partnering with other companies for business projects is to gain access to markets and resources, people, capital, and other resources that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Another great benefit is you can reduce competition, especially if you're working directly with one of your main competitors. You can also accomplish more goals and objectives. Remember, two heads are better than one. Two companies are better than one. Same concept. You can also be able to bypass time-consuming business licenses and other regulation requirements by working with a company that has already met those requirements. Then another benefit is you can designate a specific part of your business to work on a joint venture project with another business without having to completely combine your organizations. And that's why I said that's great because you're not merging. I, I like joint ventures better than merging because you're able to stay separate, but work on a certain project together. The risk of joint ventures is what I what I said before. You may find it difficult to work with the other business and have to sort through disputes. The joint venture could end badly and result in wasted time, effort, money, and other resources. The project or goal you've taken on through the joint venture could end up failing. That's a possibility. And then lastly, you can open yourself up to additional liability and other legal risks by working with another business. But there's advantages and disadvantages. And my advice to you is to be optimistic and keep an open mind and don't just automatically say no or shut the idea down and definitely don't automatically say yes and be open to, you know, say yes and just dive headfirst into the idea. Weigh your opportunity. In accounting, we call it look at the opportunity cost. How to form a joint venture quickly is find the right partner. And that's not quickly. That's going to take some time. You start out by clearly defining your objective. And then going out networking. Soliciting. We get emails and phone calls all the time stating, hey, would you like to partner with us on this project? And sometimes those solicitations and phone calls lead to meetings. And other times it's 
oh, we're, we're not interested right now. But definitely network and, and put some time, thought, and effort and come up with a game plan to finding the right partner. As I stated before, do your homework and investigate the partner. Next, if you found the right partner that you believe is going to help take you to the next level and expand your business, draft up a joint venture agreement. And I talked about that uh, earlier. State the purpose of the joint venture, the formation process, specifying that you're your own entity, they're their own entity, you guys are just coming together for this particular project, and specify the amount of time. Specify until December 31st or the completion of the parties. Determine how the parties will allocate profits and losses. Determine how the parties are going to bill for the work, how they're going to be paid for the work. Determine each party's contributions. And sometimes it doesn't have to be equal. It could be 50-50. It could be 60-40. It could be 51-49. Also specify the duties each party is responsible for ensuring the success. Determine the meeting schedule, the voting rights, and then always have an opt-out clause. Be sure to apply for whatever business, for, for whatever licenses, regulations, fees that you may accumulate along the way. But the bottom line is joint ventures can be beneficial and sometimes are critical. As I stated before, while I'm not a fan of entering into partnerships, they're necessary sometimes to grow your business. And so you have to just be open-minded and do your due diligence because To making a business idea a reality, you might need someone else's resources. You might need their market knowledge. You might need their contacts, their skill set to accomplish a specific project. But I also want you to know that joint ventures also open you up to risk and liabilities. And so at the end of the day, just protect yourself. I hope you enjoyed the discussion about charitable work and then also partnership options. I'm your host, Precious Hanks Carter, and thank you for tuning in. Let's talk business according to Phaedra. Thank you for tuning in this week to Let's Talk Business According to Phaedra. Your host, Precious Hanks Carter, will be back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. That's noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel as we feature another edition of the program. We'll talk business success again soon.